The thoughts, opinions, and general overall shade thrown on Hyatt 9 News are those of the individual speakers and not those of Hyatt 9 News, its audience, or its advertisers. The statements made do not constitute medical, legal, or financial advice. And for advice tailored to your specific situation, please consult with a licensed professional. Welcome to the Hyatt 9 News Hour, where you will hear from cannabis industry experts and professionals from around the country talk about important topics while shining light on global issues and discussing cannabis as it relates to politics, regulation and reform, data and technology, science, research and medicine, family and parenting, art, celebrities and entertainment, fitness, sports, mental health and wellness and plant-based medicines and entheogenics. Together, we are building a stronger community, fighting the stigma and creating change. With your hosts, Jason Beck and Rico Lamite, joined by special industry expert correspondents from around the country and daily antics brought to you by Cannabis. Coming to you live every Monday through Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific time and high noon on the East Coast. And thank you all for getting high at nine with us. Oh, yeah. Good morning, everybody. That's right. It is Thursday, August 17th. And today, get ready for this, Gresham. It is Congressional Startup Day. Hopefully, maybe they're going to start a whole new startup business and reinvigorate this country back to its old former greatness. But nonetheless, it's also National I Love My Feet Day for all you foot fetishers out there. On top of Black Cat Appreciation Day and National Thrift Shop Day and stone's favorite national hazy ipa day on top of national massachusetts day and national Nonprofit day but thank you for joining us and getting high at nine with us it's also high noon on the east coast and please remember to like share and subscribe to us on all social media platforms use that fancy little qr code right there in the top hand corner of your screen to see where we live at the internet and we're live every monday through friday on youtube and ultimately we'll be on twitter spaces at some point once they get their shit together but nonetheless we are going to kick it off with the dope dad himself that's right the professional diaper changer the professional tedx speaker and oh yes that's right he is the professional backstroke peddler himself that's right always uh, always ready to backpedal on anything that he says that's right it's none other than the dope dad rico lameet You with us, Rico? Your mic thank on? You, thank you, thank you, thank oh, you. Oh, there we thank go. You, okay. Jason. I appreciate that, my brother. All right. And always keep the Purell on deck, man, so I can get no uh, doo-doo residue on I anything. Bet. I bet. Saying? Saying keep everything sanny. Diaper changer extraordinaire. But um, my story is coming out of the Big Apple yet again today. Um, and as we all know, New York has become the choice market for trappers over the last year with the new legislation targeting landlords be the game changer that legislators claim or is it just another premature victory photo op waiting to happen so it's been nearly three full quarters since the first legal dispensary opened in manhattan um, in new york state um despite governor kathy hochul's promise to of 20 minimum opening a month in 2023 we've seen 18 in total so illegal operators flooded the market to fill New York's near insatiable demand using everything from delivery services, hot dog stands, food trucks, e-commerce platforms, and most bold of all, actual brick and mortar dispensaries. Obviously not legal, but operating in broad daylight nonetheless. 
As my co-host Jason Beck pointed out several times before, until risk is introduced to landlords who actually own the properties where said dispensaries operate, ain't shit gonna change. Well, it seems that's exactly what they're trying to do now. And per the Gothamist yesterday, New York City council members are calling the new legislation a game changer. With officials estimating 2,000 illegal cannabis shops currently open, New York council members hope the new law will make it easier to shut down the shops than previously under the 2017 nuisance abatement law um, used to remove adult retailers from Times Square. In true New York lawmaker form, never passing up the chance for a good photo op, council members Carlina Rivera and Lynn Shulman addressed the media outside legal dispensary Union Square Travel Agency Cannabis to tout the new law's benefits. Rivera, representing Lower Manhattan, said, uh, regulators have an obligation to protect a healthy legal cannabis market and ensure the industry meets its equity goals. Shulman, who sponsored the new law, added illegal operators prevented uh, prevent licensed sellers like this one here from opening legitimate businesses, and they rob the city of much-needed tax revenue to pay for essential programs and services. The new law in question threatens commercial landlords with fines up to $10,000 for knowingly leasing space or do not make a good faith effort to evict illegal operators. The New York PD's, uh, NYPD's partnered with the Department of Finance and NYC Sheriff's Department to jointly sniff out the trappers and communicate with landlords. Even Steve Sutendijic, sorry, I definitely uh, I just murdered that name, uh, representing retailers on the Real Estate Board of New York piled onto the rhetoric, also calling illegal cannabis shops a nuisance. Lawmakers did admit the process could take several months to set up. Shulman said violating landlords will first get a letter from the city, then they'll get an inspection with a second warning before finally getting fined after strike three. <laughs> Look, man, I played D1 football 20 years ago. After two decades, they got new players, new coaches, new refs, new TV contracts. Shit, they even uh, letting kids get endorsements now so they don't have to live in poverty like me and my boys did back in the day. Uh, they got new helmets and a bunch of other performative safety measures claiming to better protect athletes from serious injury. The rules have been tweaked from time to time, but you know what? It's still the same damn game it was when I was on the field, and it's the same damn game as those who played before me. Call me a cynic all you want, but until New York's legal industry reliably supplies the product that consumers demand, the trap will adjust and stay winning. All this game-changing nonsense to me is just talk, uh, but I want to hear what y'all think. I'm Rico Lamit, Dopest Dad on the Street, High Nine News. Man, I'll tell you what, if they think that a $10,000 fine is going to stop any landlord or make them evict their tenant, they are out of their mind, okay? L.A. tried doing this where they tried to do it like $20,000 a day. They were unable to pull it off and never be ever successful with closing anyone down with that tactic, but uh, I just don't see how New York is going to be able to threaten people with a $10,000 fine. Now, if it was $10,000 a day, strike. if it was yeah, on the third strike, yeah, especially now, on I'm the third say, strike, I'm, I'm not say even, this. yeah, this, they're, they're crazy, yeah, bro. Let me, let, let, let me say, let me say this. Do you know how difficult it's going to be? Look, I got a tattoo shop and we, we, we give weed away for donations. So when someone comes in and they donate, you know, and they buy this homemade cookie that was made, you know what I mean? And they're donating, you know, to the small business. We give them a free eighth. This ways to be able to say, 
we're not selling marijuana. And I can legally give away marijuana to someone who is the 21, uh, uh, 21 years of age and over. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, you guys. Hold on. Yeah, this this whole thing with New York is just is just su- such a such a train wreck all in itself. They are not going to get anybody closed down all with they, this ten thousand dollars fine. All they're going to do is hurt their own elections because the same people that they're saying have all of these. Le- and I know the owners of the the legal shop. Uh, the dispensary of marijuana. I was fortunate enough to actually meet both owners, right? Two Spanish guys. Um, uh, really, really good guys. And everyone else that has a, an operation currently right now is mainly the stores. It's the stores all throughout Times Square. It's going to be very hard to walk in there and be police and buy weed. They're going to know you're a co- This is New York. This is a joke. Like, this is an absolute joke. Whoever's trying to get reelected, I can promise you, is going to be hurting their campaign off of this. Jason, this is the you, same you battle we've forth. had all over the country, guys. Um, yeah, yeah, and yeah. If, until you get the politicians to recognize you can't beat the black market except at the marketplace, then you're just you're going to be chasing your tail like this all over the place. They can change. Great they up. can move next door. Then you got to go back to the whole process again. As Jason knows, they've been chasing these people forever. They're never going to catch them. Because the legal market is just too difficult to adjust, get into it, and then adjust to these market trends. I mean, I had a lot of people I knew used to be brokers in California. You fill your trunk up with weed. You want to get 2,000 a pound, you get whatever you need out of it, okay? You can't do that with a business. And until you make this economically viable for someone to walk into a legit shop and buy decent weed at a decent price, the black market's going to kick your ass. Yep, that is right. That is right. You got any thoughts on this, Gretchen? You love New York and their program. I do. I do. Um, I agree that I don't think this is going to do much unless you can make it 10000 a day. Uh, yep. I mean, you really got to start hitting landlords where it hurts if you really want them to uh, get into this with you. Very true. Oh, Very the true. problem with that is the Constitution has the Eighth Amendment, which prevents excessive fines. We've been having those battles. Yeah, but but and I mean, this is New York. But, so but in New York, we stand outside. Winter, spring, summer, fall, doesn't matter. We're outside. We'll have on two pair of jeans, three pair of thermos, three pair of socks, some Timberland boots, a nice North Face, and it'd be freezing outside. outside. And you'll see him standing right outside that corner store mm-hmm. with that fire mm-hmm. on him. Double up on the slouch sock. Dale. Get the Oreo fitted. Dale, Dale, you remember, you remember, you remember back in the day in Oakland when Ken Estes had his store in Oakland, okay, and it was known as like the Purple Shop, and they were selling all the purple weed there. They were, they were eating everybody's lunch, even the third floor directly across the street. They were eating their lunch, and so basically, the city of Oakland was saying that they have to close down. The Ken Estes has to close his da- close his store down, and they started fining him five hundred dollars a day. And you know what Ken Estes said? Who gives a shit i'm doing fifty, sixty thousand dollars a day you think i care about this 500 dollars fine every day tax he, he took it no, he did. all day it's no problem they didn't they didn't end up closing him down what like months and months and months down the road on on totally different types of violations and this was when weed was really illegal yep back in the day when it was cost, a felony cost of yep exactly it cost to be the boss that's what they say Mm-hmm. Isn't no taxation by the, the look. Go ahead. Go What's ahead. that stone? 
I was going to say, isn't overtaxation by the local governments more harmful to to the legal operators than yes, even these guys having brick and mortar shops? Um, I, I, yeah. I would say yeah, because it doesn't allow them to be able to compete with the people that are that are just that are just trapping or, or as as Justin likes to put it, the true legacy market. <laughs> hey, Justin, you've, been, you've been calling for the landlords to be targeted. Uh, no, I, I have not been calling for that. No, no, no. I have not been calling for that. I've said that if you want to deal with the situation, that's how you deal with it. Okay, so if if that is dealt with, how is that dealt with properly? Would it be like a, a daily fine, like I, uh, like Gretchen said? It like would, how- yeah, it would have to be. It would have to be some type of daily fine, and where if the fines weren't uh, weren't weren't paid, then some type of lien uh, would go against your against your actual property, and then ultimately at some point in time. Um, they would be have the right to be able to seize your property after after so many times, but that's like so far out from reality. I just it's it's a pipe dream. Well, Dale, I have a question for you. Aren't aren't yeah. they able to seize properties where there's illegal activity? Oh, you can, but there's a line been drawn by our Supreme Court based on the Eighth Amendment excessive fine. It's Tim's versus Indiana, like three years ago, some guy's forty thousand dollar vehicle got seized for a couple hundred dollars worth of coke and they said that's an excessive fine and i would transfer that right over to someone trying to take your property when what you're doing is not a you know major death penalty felony and in a lot of places it's just a misdemeanor and you're going to you're going to take a half million dollar to a million dollar building from them or fine them in the millions of dollars for trapping i think you're going to have a constitutional problem there that's an excessive fine and and it should be and, and and not to mention, Dale, um, in, in regards with your with, with with your question, Gretchen, um, there's a big difference between seizing an actual building and seizing like a car because you were driving around selling drugs in it. There's a big big difference. The laws are very very different, and property can actually only be seized by the office of the attorney general, not by any type of uh, agency. Okay, uh, well, and the, but my question would also then go to J- uh, Dale. Uh, for these landlords who aren't who may not actually be participating in the business whatsoever they're just leasing property how much are they liable for well it's all based on it's on notice and an opportunity to be heard if you don't know your person your tenants trapping and they send you a notice now you are on notice now you're going to take some steps and if you don't then you can be fined um, there are nuisance laws that they allow to abate nuisances but to go in and take people's property to find them $10,000 a day. I mean, we have these problems in California where you can get three times your license fee fines, and those really haven't been tested yet. But when you spend six months um, fighting with the government, you end up with a fine of two or $3 million. I'd be arguing this is an excessive fine for what's going on. And who I defines hope- excessive fine? Well, it's a, it's a question of fact. And it's one of those like beads of mercury sticking your thumb on it. What does it mean? Mm-hmm. Is it relation to the building value? Uh, I mean, I don't know the, the amount of money being generated. Well, I, I don't know the metrics yet. I just know you can argue it's an excessive fine, and then go from there. Yeah, and uh, and on that, I think we're going to go to a commercial. We're going to be right back. How's it going, guys? Saman Razani coming to you from Green Street here with Jason Beck smoking on the best weed in the world. Did you know that we have an audio-only version of our podcast available on Apple, Google, Amazon, iHeartRadio, and Spotify? Tune in now and check it out. 
He's the cannabis industry's longest continuously operating retailer known for smoking the best weed in the world. And New York City's facial recognition software has no match for his Ray-Bans that he has on today. These are not Ray-Bans. These are Method 7s. Don't get it twisted. Well, maybe the facial recognition software will get through those Method 7s. <laughs> Only if it has Come a to the real stage, method. You don't know who it is. Jason back oh yeah look at look at stone looking like air force one i see that with that top gun stone i see that i see that's a good look for you bro that's a good look oh wait 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 wait. why was it a good look for stone but not for me the other day i didn't say it wasn't a bad look for you gretchen i said you look good uh, with the you glasses weren't liking on. it no 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 what are you, you talking about joe biden as i recall oh yeah of course i did of course i said that that's because i like the glasses on you i thought that was a great compliment for you oh, okay i mean see, seeing as how you're such a rhino uh -huh. <laughs> oh man we but need I'm, more rhinos in this country that's what we don't need we don't they're need, an endangered species uh, like they, they, they should be even more endangered they should be extinct shut up and do your article <laughs> oh man that was great gretchen gretchen you feel free to throw your sunglasses on we love to see you in your shades but right. nonetheless just so you know oh man people are going to be so mad about this and stone i think you're probably going to be the most maddest out of everybody but delta 8 thc derived from cbd is illegal according to a dea email that's right a recently revealed letter confirms that the u.s drug enforcement administration considers delta 8 thc that was synthesized from hemp derived cbd so the vast majority of current available consumer delta 8 products to be federally illegal that's right a letter written in 2021 by the u.s drug enforcement administration's drug and chemical evaluation section chief terrence booze has revealed that the dea considers delta 8 thc when synthesized from cbd to be federally illegal that is against the law for anyone that doesn't understand english the letter was revealed last week by attorney shane pentagon via his on drugs substack in a quote arriving at delta 8 thc by a chemical reaction starting from cbd makes the delta 8 thc synthetic and therefore not exempted by the agricultural improvement act any quantity of delta 8 thc obtained by chemical means is a controlled substance says booze via the on drug substack the agricultural improvement act better known as the 2018 farm bill allowed states to implement their own hemp regulations since then companies selling hemp derived cannabinoids have sprung up around the country but some have even gone further in synthesizing the hemp-based cannabinoids which are generally non-intoxicating into more psychoactive compounds such as delta 8 or even delta 9 thc the letter puts plainly what many experts have suspected for months dea uh communicated during a may 4th conference presentation that the agency supported adding all synthetic cannabinoids to um to contain thc including hemp derived delta 8 thc to the list of federally controlled substances additionally in february booze wrote to another attorney that minor cannabinoids including delta 8 thc o and delta 9 thc o are illegal because they can only be synthesized and do not appear in nature marijuana moment reported and notably delta 8 thc does not appear naturally in, in cannabis plants but only in trace amounts but the vast majority of consumers uh delta 8 products are made 
using Delta-8 THC that was synthesized from hemp-derived CBD. Well, I'll tell you what, this is going to shake up Texas probably more than anywhere, so I can't wait to hear what Stone Slade has to say about this. And this is Jason Beck for the High at 9 News Hour. What do you all have to say about this Delta-8 and the DEA going head-to-head? Doesn't matter. What you got, Stone? I've got a black market. Playing chicken, it's a dangerous game yeah. of chicken. Going what you got to right say, now. Stone? What do you? What's your thoughts? I'm just, you know, I a lot of a lot of Texas retailers probably aren't happy with my thoughts on Delta Eight. I just, I've always believed it. Never, it, it basically it it jumped the line on 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 real cannabis on on the on the real deal. It went through the loophole. It's it's it, the plant is a perfect thing the way it is. The natural plant. There's no reason to synthesize any of it except for Jump the jump in the loophole, jump in the line. People can get high now in states like Texas, but it's not it's not the real deal. And it's I, I've always said it's going to be the one thing that, that's going to be that first marijuana death or whatever you know. And and it's mm-hmm. not and it, it'll be considered that way, but that's not what it is. And so, yes, I love it. You can take Delta Eight out of my uh, intro, Rico, Jason. Yeah. Bye bye Delta Eight. I, I, I haven't even used that one in in, in forever, man. I'll I'll make sure to use it today, Stone. I'll be introducing you later on. I'll make sure to use it. Thanks, baby. Yeah, anytime. Anytime. Well, I I appreciate the DEA said this, but they only have rulemaking authority over their own administrative procedures. This isn't binding on the federal courts. And I'd love to see this go in front of the federal courts where you could take all this bullshit to the Supreme Court and challenge all of it as, you know, they didn't have the right to put in a controlled substance in get, the first goddamn place. It's going to get thrown out because only Congress can make it, uh, can can say that it's illegal or, or not. But I think the interesting thing that comes from this is the fact that they're telling people that Delta-8 is not even derived from, it's synthesized. They're saying that this is coming from somewhere else. It's like, they're saying it's fake. It is. So for all the people out there that are smoking this fake shit, you know, it's the equivalent of if you're a man and you think you're a man's man, you're sleeping with a tranny. It's you the, might it's just be a girly man. Thing. You might There's just no be a girly man. With the flower. Well, there, there are rules about isomers out there, and this falls into the general category of isomers, okay? Delta-9 THC is naturally produced by the plant with high THC levels, okay? It's part of its, its biology and physiology. I have clients who cook CBD and turn it into all kinds of shit, okay? Now, is it a stereoisomer or fa- under the isomer rules for THC? Maybe because the federal government uses the term marijuana. And what the fuck does marijuana mean? Okay, so I don't know what the answer yeah. is to this because it's so vague and ambiguous. But somebody's going to get this in front of the Supreme Court, and I suspect they're going to hit it with a sledgehammer and smash it to smithereens and send them back to start over again. Well, my position on that this doesn't matter because this isn't breaking news. It's been said before, uh, and it hasn't stopped anything. Uh, so until someone actually starts trying to enforce this stuff, who cares? They're gonna keep selling it. Well, now, now this is this is very interesting. So, 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 Mark, Mark Scilliadoni in the chat, he says Delta Eight THC is listed by name alongside Delta Nine under Code Seventy Three Seventy in the Controlled Substances Act. 
That well, dun, yeah, dun. but when Congress gave the authority to the to the executive branch and they delegated it to the DOJ, who gave it to the DEA, I mean, right now the Supreme Court's telling Congress, "Look, you can't delegate all this shit out to these committees. Mm-hmm. Some of the stuff you have to come back to Congress for." So it would be interesting to see how those lines got drawn, how it got put there, if Congress actually did that, or if this is some addition down the line. Because when you call something marijuana, which is a pejorative racist claim that doesn't define shit, now you've got to define before you hold somebody liable, define what you mean. How did you define it? See, in, in the meantime, the guy out in the front of this trap shop selling you Delta 8 all goddamn day long. So it, it just, just seems like lipstick on a pig here. It's just stupid. Yeah. Very true. Very true. I'm just, you know, this story is just all kinds of. Oh, man, you know, but the thing is, is they're going to say that this is this is the state, but they're still not going to do any type of enforcement on it at all whatsoever at all. And so it's a shame. But nonetheless, we're going to keep it rolling. We're going to roll right in to our feisty redheaded conservative who loves to sigh all the time. Why? Why does she love to sigh? Because we still don't know. That's right. But she, Jason Beck, it's, it's Jason Beck is ridiculous because he doesn't believe in facts. Because he makes me roll my eyes every 30 fucking seconds with all the bullshit coming out of his mouth. I love to make sure that women are always rolling yeah. their eyes. That way I always know they're exercising. You know how Saman makes women say hello again? You make a sigh, Jason Beck. That's all right. You make women sigh. I love making women sigh. That's how you know they're paying attention to me. I love it. I love it. That's right. It's the of founder of Panoptic Strategies, our very own Gretchen Gailey. All right. My headline is coming out of uh, MJ Biz Daily. More cash, more headaches for marijuana retailers after MasterCard ban. Marijuana retailers across the United States are adjusting to handling and securing more cash in store after MasterCard's abrupt decision last month to halt millions of dollars in cannabis purchases involving its popular debit card. Operators are also bracing for the possibility that global financial giant Visa will follow suit, While facing growing threats, their increasingly cash-heavy operations will become even more attractive to criminals. Some marijuana retailers are zeroing in on improving in-store communication with customers and the overall shopping experience in the wake of MasterCard's exodus. Other retailers told MJ Biz Daily they are reassessing internal processes, including researching payment processing vendors to potentially expanding card purchasing options. The debit card ban also will likely push more businesses to the underground market, sources told MJ Biz Daily, perhaps generating even more competition from the illicit market. The U.S. Cannabis Council told Green Market Report that hundreds of legal marijuana businesses, particularly retailers, were affected by MasterCard's decision. One store operator, meanwhile, said MasterCard purchases accounted for almost 20% of in-store transactions. It all adds up to more headaches and woes for retailers and consumers, according to Andrew D'Angelo, a Northern California-based marijuana consultant. The end result of this, obviously, is a lot more ATM machines, a lot more people using cash, and a lot more exposure to violent crime. More transactions are going to move to the underground market where you don't have this cumbersome problem with payments. In a bit of irony, it's no secret that peer-to-peer cash payment apps such as Venmo, which are regulated at the federal and state levels, play a key role in underground commerce. In suburban Boston, The Goods, a retailer that opened last November, is reassessing its point-of-sale software and payment processing services after the MasterCard ban. 
The Goods was in the process of lining up a new payment processing vendor to add PIN debit cards that look like credit cards but operate like electronic check as a transaction option for customers. But that decision is now on hold. At the moment, we have paused those conversations regarding the payment process, owner Chris Vining said. We want to make sure that we're doing the right thing. In San Diego County, shoppers at Jack's Cannabis have largely conducted transactions in a cashless environment, a trend that gathered steam among many retailers because of the coronavirus pandemic. After the MasterCard ban, however, workers are directing more customers to the store's existing ATMs to withdraw cash. Quick checkouts are less common these days. It's just the customer's experience being affected, said uh, Johan Balbuena, chief marketing officer at Prime Harvest, Jax's parent company, which also has cannabis delivery and manufacturing operations in the San Diego market. Now we're just reverting back to what it used to be, she said, referring to the recent increase in cash-based purchases. The company's delivery business, which accepts only online payments, hasn't been affected yet. However, a three-month internal analysis of in-store transaction receipts revealed nearly 20% of Jax's customers use MasterCard for purchases. Only 1% use Discover. Just looking at those numbers, Balbuena said hopefully Visa doesn't decide to take the same measure. Visa dominates debit card purchasing volume in the U.S. with a 72% market share. Yahoo News reported citing Nelson report findings. At Green Farms, Arizona locations in Flagstag, I'm sorry, Flagstaff and Mesa, about 40% of clients use debit cards. It's hard to say how many MasterCard-only cardholders will be lost, but at Green Farms, even one person turned away is one too many, owner Arvin Saloom told MJ Biz Daily. Any dispensaries currently accepting debit cards are reeling from the adverse effects of MasterCard's decision. Uh, the green farm stores have ATM machines and customers are being encouraged to bring cash. Uh, my question would be for like retailers like Jason Beck, uh, is this really uh, hitting home? Is it a major problem for retailers? Um, is it another reason to pass safe banking? This is scratching for high at nine news. It definitely is another reason to pass safe banking. That is for sure without a doubt. And I just feel like MasterCard kind of like overstepped their bounds on this. I'm not sure why they did it because Visa is still taking it and they are the largest credit card processor in the country. And so therefore, I don't understand why MasterCard would do that. And I don't then think se that segment. You guys understand this is good. This is a very good thing still. Okay. What, what's good? Why is it good? All right. Well, to, okay, look. I'm someone who likes to see the silver lining, right? So we also know at the same time they're trying to push this whole digital currency, you know, BS on everybody, right? And there are a lot of people who feel like they won't be able to be anonymous with their government if their government is able to track any and all transactions. So this does create a place where cash is still needed. And as long as there's still market areas where cash is needed, then cash may have to stay in circulation. People don't understand the ramifications of what we ask for, because then when we get it and we finally do get what we're asking for, we don't understand truly what it entails. Let them continue to do this BS, because at some point they'll find some other way to go through transactions or do something. And at least you can still go into the dispensary, go to an ATM, because they have them in there. Trust me, they have two, three of them in there. You go in there, you get you get your cash out the ATM, and then you go ahead and you handle your business. It's not well, it's the problem. The problem no with the ATM, the problem with the ATMs is that is that they oftentimes will run out of cash, 
And oftentimes, too, they, they, they don't work for some reason. Like, they, they don't connect to the Internet. They're not connected to the yeah, banks. Then it's your responsibility to have cash on you before you go in there. In there I, when I, you know I, I agree with that. Pay. As a consumer, you should always have your cash with you pr prior to. But at the same time, um, that, that's not the reality of what actually happens when people are at the purchasing counter. You know, oftentimes people are like, okay, how much is my order? Okay, and then they want to go over to the ATM and pull out the money and whatnot. And like, and then, and then at that point, they're basically are jamming up the line if, if there is a line going on. And so, so it, it does create a big inconvenience in trying to expedite people in and out of a retail. And the inconvenience is coming from the people who are walking into a place that they, they know they would have to have known that you need cash in order to go in there and be able to, to get what it is that you want. I'm just saying that the good comes with the bad, you know, and the good from this is that cash has to stay relevant within this system. And it's very important that we continue to use cash because once they're able to remove the physical fiat currency from out of your face, then they're definitely going to be able to remove that constitution. Yeah, I, I, just, just so you know, I, I am all about the cash and I'm all about the cash businesses and I'm all about always accepting cash. And I actually boycott all businesses that I go to that when they go in, they say that they only accept credit cards. And I actually am looking for some people to do some class action lawsuits against these businesses, because to me, I believe that to be against the Constitution to not accept cash as currency. All right. Well, I, anyway, before we go down this like, whole debate, sounds like what um, happened to me, Jason. That's not a flip-flop. That's just reality. Good Lord. <laughs> that's um, definitely not a flip-flop. Well, I, I hear it. Well, I hear what you're saying, uh, Tony, on, you know, glass half full on this. Um, I think we need to also understand that there aren't the smartest consumers walking into every store with cash in their pocket. And as a business retailer, you have to be able to work with your customer to get the sale. I mean, to think that everyone's smart and just has enough cash on hand, that's not... I, I have never almost have cash. Almost never. It, it, it's like my mom slipped me a 20 me, me when either. I go to see her is when I have cash on me. I mean... Me either. Like, I'm, I'm me either, but I know that if I'm going someplace and it's required that I have cash, I'll stop at Walmart, I'll, I'll, I'll go there, I'll grab something that I need, and then I'll take some cash out as a cash, you know, what you call it? Um, I'll stop at an ATM, but before I go in there, I make sure that I have what I need on me because I know what's going to, you know, I know what's going to happen. Like, even right. if I go to events where my son is a fighter and he goes and he fights, when you go to go buy water or something from someone, they're not going to have a square there and then take your card and read your card. And then would you just trust some random person? No. So I would just have the cash. It's okay. I get you. But aren't there times when you go to buy that bottle of water you thought was going to be five bucks and then it's 10 because people suck? I mean, there are times when you just you. don't have enough. Then that's when and you put it down. America, baby, that's when you put it down. Up. Go sound. Go buy yeah, that shit somewhere right, else. Uh, uh, fees, hidden fees, like all drink some spit. Yeah, <laughs> swallow. I do think I do think passing safe banking will help to make these uh, major credit card companies be a little more uh, interested in doing business with us. From what I've been told, uh, safe banking has nothing to do with it. It has to be. Uh, it doesn't have to do with it. It has to do with confidence yeah. in the cannabis industry. I'm not saying uh, uh, that there's a provision in safe. I've, I'm not saying that there's a provision in safe that protects these guys. I agree with yeah, you but, 100%, Rico. But if banks are more willing to do business with us, it instills confidence. That's what we want from safe is confidence. Because this industry right now has zero confidence. Look at how investors card, are looking at it right card, now. 
The credit card industry want full federal legalization before they even touch it. They, they don't are smart enough to realize that this is a step. Well, at the same yeah. time, okay. at the same time, too, the credit card companies, you have to understand this, too, is that anyone can do chargebacks with any type of credit card on cannabis because electronic sales Correct. under under credit card are only um, legal for actual legal substances. And therefore, any retailer that accepts credit cards is putting themselves at a disadvantage because anyone could legally dispute those charges and say, I didn't realize that that I was purchasing an illegal schedule one drug. And then immediately they will have all their money right. returned to them and the retail Taylor will be out of that money with no type of recourse with a penalty, usually like a $50 or more penalty for a chargeback mm -hmm. too. Yeah. So. And with that, we're, we're moving. Yeah. We're going to go to a commercial. We're going to be right back. Let's do it. The control tower from highly educated has perfected the dab utilizing the concept of thin film evaporation. You can waste none of it and taste all of it. The micro texture of the SE pillar increases nucleation at elevated temperatures and with the tower propelling at 2600 RPMs, it's certainly the most efficient dab experience to date. The control tower from Highly Educated. Rico, we're going to run it like tomorrow. Let's just let, let's roll. Uh, let's roll right into Dale. You're running like tomorrow. I like that, man. Yeah. So futuristic. You got a time machine. You happen at a DeLorean. Yeah, morning, you know, right? you know, you know yeah, what I'm yeah. saying. Riding on tens, but they clean though. Either way, we're gonna go right into our next correspondent. He's the man representing uh for such a long time, 36 plus years, uh, as an attorney at law representing our Armada Law Court. But now you know what I'm saying, like he's just chilling on that lazy boy, kicking it in front of the mantle where I would like to be, man. I gotta come up there and visit, man. It just looks so comfortable in your living room. Everybody's foul mouth uncle is here to give us another story. Dale Schaefer. Uh, good morning, everybody west of the Mississippi. Good afternoon for all the rest of you. That's my Martin guitar behind me. Kept me sane in prison and played every day. Okay, guys, I got another story that involves trademarks, intellectual property. Don't fall asleep on me now. Um, no promises. Gretchen. Yeah, Gretchen, no okay. sleeping, Gretchen. I'll try to keep the jury awake on this, all right? The headline comes out of Law 360, and it says, Vape suit over puff. Puff mark can't be mixed. A judge rules. Um, this involves trademarks and trade names, and it also is another phase of what we call lawsuit pleading. Um, yesterday, we talked about a case where there was a pissing match over um, trademarks, but it was in a phase of a, of a civil proceeding after they've done discovery, and they have facts to try and uh, dismiss the other side's case. This came, this, and I'll try to give you the names. We've got uh, EVO Brands and PVG2 uh, is another company suing Al Khalifa Group and Overseek and a bunch of individuals about uh, a trademark and a trade name that includes the word Puff, P-U-F-F, with a cloud. Um, and that trademark, according to the complaint, was registered by the plaintiffs. Okay. But the defendants started using Puff in the name of a, a brand that they were promoting. And that's when this pissing match got started because this the plaintiffs think they have the right to Puff, the word Puff in a cloud. Okay. And perhaps they do, perhaps they don't. <clears throat> but this came up in what we call the pleading phase. 
in a civil suit, you file a complaint, and then the other side has an opportunity to try to attack the pleadings and answer and go into discovery. They're in the attack the pleadings phase. The defendant said, hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. You can't allege that because it's not true. That you own all this stuff. Well, what the, the plaintiffs alleged is that they own because they filed a patent trademark registration with Puff and this cloud, and that they purchased some companies that had been notice of uh, intent to use other trademarks with Puff in it, and that they were using this, and they have the superior right to stop other people from using Puff. That's sort of the four corners of the start of the pissing match. The defendants wanted the court to take judicial notice of a bunch of facts. The FDA sent this group a warning letter because they were adultering these products with stuff, um, synthetic nicotine, things like that. But they also claimed they were selling non-nicotine products so that they weren't covered by these warning letters. And the court said, hang on, this is the pleading phase. They allege enough, and I'm not going to dismiss the case because you disagree with what they're alleging. They're going to force this case to go into discovery now where you uh, are going to be sending out subpoenas and um, asking questions, taking depositions, and trying to prove or disprove that these folks actually own this trademark and actually have priority status over this trade name. Okay? So we may talk about more of these pissing matches going forward over intellectual property, but what I wanted to point out today is that there are different phases of these suits. You plead, you discover, and then you go to trial. The real important parts of these are the cases that go to trial and you get a finding from a court of something you can use for other cases. This case will probably get settled as 95% do, uh, but you know the headlines here is that we're not going to dismiss this case at this phase. You guys go prove up or disprove your little pissing match over who owns Puff and the cloud with a you know, puff written over it. So that's what I got for today. Gretchen, you're still awake. I can see. Okay. I'm, I'm awake. Lost. Okay. Throw it back to you guys. What do you think about this? Well, Dale, here's my first question. Oh boy, when is a term just so in the common lexicon that it's not trademarkable? Yeah. Puff, is it puff, so common? puff should be in um, that category. Yeah. I well, would think puff would be. It might be, but if you take puff and you use a certain uh, type of script and you put it into a background of a cloud of a certain color with a trade dress around it and you register that, okay, that's like what Coca-Cola does. The word Coca and the word Cola are you know, lexicon words. But if you put it together with red and that script and the way they do it, the, the patent trade office will know somebody's got a superior right to that and you can't use it. You're saying that these guys are alleging that the other company completely used their branded logo of Puff. Um, that they infringed upon the the trademark rights of Puff in a cloud. I think Adobe Illustrator could argue the fact that they own this Puff and not these guys that are saying that they own Puff. Well, they might be able to. But part of the problem we have here is that people start using uh after a marketing meeting, they come up with a logo and a name, and they'll start using it in commerce, okay? But if it involves products that aren't necessarily legal, you can't get them all registered at the U.S. Patent and Trade Office. So they're out there being used in commerce, and then somebody claims, oh, you're infringing upon my trademark, but it's not registered. That's where pissing matches really get ugly, because who knows who owns it? It's a question of fact. You spend hundreds of thousands of dollars 
trying to prove or disprove who used it first. Is the color of my scheme the same as yours? Is it the same calligraphy, same exact spelling? I mean, I recommend you get a good IP attorney on board early when you start doing this and secure as much as you can these trade rights and then jealously guard them with cease and desist letters and punch somebody in the nose who tries to use it. Punch them real hard, right? With no gloves, Dale? Real hard. Watch them bleed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Silence. You got any thoughts on this? Mm. Uh, on, on, any thoughts on this, Stone? I know uh, I know. there's a lot of Puff products out in uh, out in Texas. Joe Puff. I don't. I don't have any. I have no comments on this one, man. I just uh, I was over here. I was over here hiding, and you called on me, Teach. <laughs> I, I do. I do want to say this because I took a poll, and then I had a high thought, and I said, "Wow, did they make Puff Daddy stop being Puff Daddy?" No, that's why he's Puffy. That's why he's Puffy. Yeah, but he stopped or being Diddy. Puffy too. If he, now he's Diddy. He's P Diddy. What happens, when he calls, what happens when he calls everybody else daddy? And then, yeah, that was just ridiculous oh, right there, man. Oh, I don't, don't know. Pause <laughs> on that. That's why I said I can't get with the guy. That's why he, This is why he cannot own a leaf company because he would just put something in the plant. I don't trust the guy, all right? <laughs> Dale, can I ask one more question? Sure. Uh, are there, you said there's a number of companies named in this? Yes. Um, I don't know. There's so, four companies and three individuals. Yeah. Everybody and their cousins using the word puff. Yep. Yep. And they're trying Does to that secure... help the argument that these guys haven't, shouldn't be the only ones to own it. Well, I don't know that it helps the argument because what the judge said, these are all questions of fact. I'm not going to dismiss the case at this stage, go out and work this up. But these are what these cases are made of because you bring in, IP litigators who go clear back to the first time anybody thought about using this name. What did you do? You do depositions and subpoena records to see who first started this. What did it look like? How was it spelled? Did you really try to secure this and protect it or did you let it go without saying anything? It turns into multi-hundred thousand dollar attorney's fees for the litigators. And, you know, maybe you come out of it with superior rights and nobody else can use the name or you lose your ass and have to pay everybody's attorney's fees. Who knows? And shout out to uh, to Johnny Smash. He, he, Johnny Smash. He says that uh, it's just the magic dragon now due to this lawsuit. This is also going to affect the, the Ghostbusters, right? With the Stay Puff Marshmallow Man. Yeah, well, only if you're trying to put that onto a, a tobacco vape product or something. This, yeah. I mean, this is going to have just all types of ramifications, bro. What about that Go that Go Puff uh, delivery uh, service? <laughs> See what I'm saying? Oh man! And it's so it starts. Yeah. What yeah, about Puffingtown, USA? Puffingtons. Yes. Puffington. How about the next story? Oh, that's cute, Gretchen. Real moving real along. Cute. Gretchen, oh, yeah, she's moving it along. That's right. Coming up next. That's right. It's the man who is probably crying right now, or probably right after the show, due to the fact of the DEA's oh, yeah. ban on Delta Eight because he's not going to be able to go and buy it anymore in the great state of Texas. That's right. It is none other than Mister Stone Slade. 
no, no, no cheer on that one. No, yeah, I'll, I have, I'll I have to stop shipping you Delta I, Eight. Jason. I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't have the that? cheer. I don't have the cheer buttons, bro. That's that's a Rico thing. That's all right. That's all right. That's all right. What are we talking about today? We're all familiar. Sorry about that. We're all familiar with the celebrated cannabis culture holidays, four twenty and seven ten. But for those viewers that aren't, here's a little bit about what they are, where they came from, and what's next. 420, that glorious moment celebrated on April 20th and, well, twice a day by some of us, most of us, is more than just a time to light up. It's a cultural phenomenon. It started back in the 70s with a group of teenagers in San Rafael, California. They would meet at 420 to search for an abandoned cannabis crop and indulge in a little herbal enjoyment along the way. From those humble beginnings, it became a symbol for the cannabis community, a connection point for enthusiasts around the world. Then came 710, celebrated on July 10th, an homage to hash oil and concentrates. Flip the number 710 upside down, you get the word oil. It's the bolder, more intense side of cannabis, celebrating the art of dabbing in concentrated forms. 710, it's not just a date. It's an acknowledgement of creativity and the many forms that cannabis can take. Now, this ever-evolving landscape of cannabis culture, there's a new date on the horizon, uh, ready to break the mold. And Jason Beck, with his love and, and confidence of the cannabis beverage market, is going to love this one. This Sunday, August 20th, or 820, also known as National Water-Soluble Cannabinoid Consumption Day. Damn, son, where'd you find this? <laughs> <laughs> Let's just call it Drink Cannabis Day. 820 doesn't just come out of nowhere. It's it's based on water's cannabis uh, chemical composition, H2O. H is the eighth letter of the alphabet. And because of the 20, obviously that comes from the 420 holiday, a dash of creativity and a sparkle of science, uh, but a That's large dollop of innovation. But what's behind this new date is actually created by a company called Sourcey Technology in 2022. 820 isn't merely a different way to consume cannabis. It's a revolution in taste, onset and experience. And it's about water-soluble emulsion technology and finding about new horizons in edibles, beverages, and even personal care products infused with THC, CBD, and other cannabinoids. Think of it as a collective cheers to the innovation that's transforming the industry. It's not just about getting high. It's about the appreciation of better tasting edibles without the lingering cannabis taste or smell. It's about a faster onset, consistent experiences, and saying goodbye to those three-plus-hour hazes that you can't escape from. Picture enjoying cannabis-infused projects at uh, products at social gatherings, river floatings, or during movie nights. Imagine the ability to enjoy safely, responsibly, and with a new level of sophistication. So as August 20th approaches, let's take the time to reflect on the journey that started with 420, evolved with 710, and is now reaching a thrilling new frontier with 820. It's a journey of innovation, exploration, and creativity, and shared a love for a plant that continues to surprise and delight. So here's the 820, a day that's more than a number, a symbol of where we've been and where we're going and the endless possibilities that lie ahead. I'm Stone Slade reporting for the Hyatt 9 News Hour. I do have to say, though, uh, it, I'm always down for an excuse to celebrate and consume cannabis. But one of the things that stood out to me and uh, the information that I found that water-soluble cannabinoids, tech, uh, the, the no lingering cannabis taste. I personally still want my cannabis to taste like cannabis. I want the natural terpenes and flavonoids of the flower that was used. But I can totally understand there's a crowd out there that doesn't. I'd love to hear what you guys think. Get them out. I'll tell you, I'll tell you how many people are going to celebrate this holiday stone slate or probably about as many people as buy cannabis beverages. And that is probably the smallest segment of the entire market. It's growing, so Jason. Fast, it's growing. Fast, it's growing segment. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not buying, buying any of that. I'm not buying any of what you're selling on this stone. I think this Come is, a, this is, this is a booth holiday. And I can't believe that someone <laughs> really booth, international booth day. Yeah. I can't, I can't believe someone is really putting their money behind this to promote this. This is IBD man. People love to waste money on dumb shit. It's what America's built on. Marketing. Isn't that what America's built on? No, that's right. No, it's not. I knew you would love this. It's built on capitalism. Capitalism is people buying shit that they don't fucking need. No, it's not. It's marketing. No, that's marketing. Yeah, exactly. Come on. Now. Tell you shit you don't want because I convince you you do. Give me your money. Yeah. Capitalism is people, people buying shit that they that's, want. That's, that's that they great need. marketing. <laughs> okay. Great marketing gets marketing. you there. So you need some better marketing around this holiday and then maybe you'll fly. You know, just, you know, uh, the majority of our holidays are, are, are tied to paganism anyways, right? So... Is your pagan holiday that you're teeing up for the world slam? Either uh, way. 90, 90, oh, 90, 90, 98%. 98%. Definitely, yeah. Us, I mean, still. Happy 820 this Sunday, Jason. Yeah, 820. <laughs> International Booth 820, Day. 820. 820, yeah. yeah. The, the inaugural. I mean, I, I feel like is one of the only holidays I know that's not a pagan ritual. It's, 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 it's a real holiday. It's a real holiday. Yeah. It's like a real it's, holiday. Like it's like a real. Everything else kind of has some form of backstory that's just like really crazy, and you're like, wow. <laughs> but 420 is pure. I feel like huh? I feel like yeah, they could have they could have marketed this a lot better. You know that stone. I feel like if they were, I feel like they should have marketed it as like 820. It's the day for you to try a cannabis beverage if you haven't tried one already. And then that way they could get closer to actually having some type of market share to where people would give a shit about their holiday. <laughs> Listen, there's people out there that enjoy having cannabis beverages. Yes, they do. It's, well, it's a great I, holiday. I, I, love I, it I, holiday. I want to comment that the uh, technology to make this um, it's a non-polar molecule, uh, soluble in water, that technology. I have a client who used to make this stuff in 10 milligram uh, volumes, and then you could pour it into your favorite drink. And so you can make it whatever you want it to be, including wine or I like whiskey. So, you know, uh, I think that would be, I, I told him that's more marketable than making a product at a time that people think tastes like moose piss and won't drink it. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Was this yeah, made up in Texas, Stone? What's that? Was this some bullshit made up in Texas? <laughs> Absolutely not, Gretchen. <laughs> there's, a, there's a company behind it. Yes, this is. Well, where's this uh, company? I, I think this started um, out. I think this started in Minnesota. Do we know where these people are from? I'll tell you one second. Sourcey Texas. Are you just reading know? their press release? No, 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 no. This is holiday from is their press this release. This is actually an Absolutely original story not, by lady. Stone Slade. Uh, who's your source? They're a leading CBD hemp and terpene emulsion supplier. Yeah, yeah. From, from where? where? From where? Uh, Cersei Technology. Where the hell are you, man? They're probably uh, Canadian or something. Yeah, they're probably they, 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 Boise, Idaho. Yeah, Boise, Idaho. Is that for real? No. Seattle, Washington. I found it. Seattle, Washington. Seattle, Washington. There you go. Pretty close to Boise. Sounds like some hipster bullshit from Seattle. <laughs> What's next? Dig around yeah. for lots of information to put these the guys, story together. These guys think they're starting a whole new Starbucks now, right now. New holiday. Good lord. Yeah. Next, 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 next. Yeah, let's roll. <laughs>
Let's do it. Bringing us home today is the self-proclaimed most feared black Latin man alive. He's a political leader, artist, activist, entrepreneur, and the jury's still out on if he will be, if he will be calling Puff Daddy, Daddy from now on. <laughs> Antoine! The jury, is, <laughs> the jury is out. I will never call that nigga nothing. Ever. Not nothing. Not a nothing, nothing, nothing. But... We did talk earlier today about what was happening as far as marijuana is concerned in New York. And there's something that I want to talk about because it's not about New York. It's about here in Houston where I'm currently uh, at my studio. And it's about a uh, baseball player, John Singleton. So failed marijuana tests nearly ended John Singleton's career. Now the Astro Slug is asking what if. Houston AP, in 2018, John Singleton requested his release. Released from the Houston Astros after being suspended 100 games following his third failed marijuana test while in the minors. Choosing to walk away from baseball rather than face the suspension and everything that came with it. His quote, I just didn't want to play baseball anymore, he told the Associated Press earlier this month. He quoted, I knew I had to serve 100 games and serve serving 100 games with this organization in this position. I was in no I was I was I uh, was I was and was not going to it was not going to be a good thing for me. Uh it was going to take me down to a dark road. So at that point I just wanted to be done with baseball and kind of get away with everything. So he just wanted to be away from baseball. He didn't even care. His love for this beautiful plant had him so married to it that he said, "F baseball. This is the minors. Being high, that's the majors." And it continues on. A year later, marijuana was removed from Major League Baseball banned substance list. It will be a couple more years before the left-handed slugger returned to the organization to the organized base to into organized baseball in the Mexican League. Because <clears throat> uh that's not the majors. It was Mexican. No disrespect to you guys, but I mean, you know. He returned to the majors for the first time since 2015 this season, first with the Milwaukee's and now back with the Astros, a former top prospect, now 31, wonders what his career would have been if marijuana, Mary Jane, currently legal in 23 states, was taken off the banned systems list sooner. Now, what I want to say to you guys out there is, what do you think? I mean... Is this is I threw it in the chat. Is this basically almost like the uh the 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 Ricky Williams of baseball? Wow. Kinda. I had I, I had similar. a friend who had a similar incident. He was a minor league player. Uh he was playing with the Phillies. And he got a hundred game suspension for testing positive in the off season. In the winter, they just showed up at his house, were testing him, blah, blah, blah. And he got he got pinged and it ruined his career. Didn't play again. He was a young pitcher, and by the time he would have done his whole 100 games and he went to independent leagues and other places to play while this all worked out, it was too late. His hopes and dreams, of, you know, the majors was over. I mean, I think it's ridiculous what they do to players. It's bullshit. Yep. Exactly. Look at Josh Gordon yeah. in the NFL. That kid was amazing. Amazing. Yep. But every time, suspended for cannabis. Mm -hmm. Yo, um, uh, Major League Baseball players play 162 games every season. 
right? And um, I think I think just like every every year, every other year, you have uh, reports of somebody either getting a DUI or even dying from a car crash um, involving alcohol with Major League Baseball players, and um, they're allowed to go to the games drunk, hungover, and all that. Like, why can't they smoke? Why why does this guy not have a a fight in getting reinstated? Uh, reinstated? Well, I think I think I think I think in sports, Rico, the performance base in regards of how you measure athletes as opposed to work performances is is based off whether or not you win or not. And as long as you continue to win, no one's going to say anything about. Bullshit. That's bullshit. 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 You just made the comparison to Ricky Williams. Ricky Williams was playing just fine. No, 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 no. That's not that's not Ricky Williams failed the drug test. Okay, so that's not the same thing. But the point is that you're saying that if a guy is playing okay, I'm saying I know tons of stories of tons of professional athletes that would be hammered, wasted the day of the Super Bowl, okay, and still had no problem playing. And so that's what I'm saying is that if you're winning, no one's going to question anything. They're not going to start questioning stuff until you start losing. Yeah, they do. If you're winning, the the opposing team, the opposing team is going to question that, and they're going to ask for an investigation into your shit. Well, so, if marijuana is getting you out there and kicking ass, then everyone's gonna want it. So that's just a good thing. So if they if if they can equate to you out there ripping and running and kicking everyone else's ass, this is because the only thing they can find is some marijuana in your system, and that's crazy. What I did want to say though is because remember, I'm the guy that is like looking for like the things that people don't see. Right, twenty three states currently has marijuana legal. It's ridiculous that it's not legal at a federal level at this particular point in time. And this is something that I just felt like the whole article, when it's said so much by just simply just saying that. And I just think that out of boo-hoo, this guy, you know, who... Because, look, at the end of the day, if I got a job and it's a government job and I want to hold a gun and I want to be in the federal office somewhere, you can't smoke weed or whatever the case may be, you can't smoke weed. You know what I mean? It's just, it just is what it is. When you're trying to play for someone else, you got they, you, it's just rules that come with that. So be your own boss and then you don't got to worry about somebody piss testing you. But if 23 states currently has marijuana legal... We are way past the tipping point because you have to understand there are other states that are not legal where clearly the function of it is being used. And it's, there has to be some type of medicinal uh, um, uh, uh, dispensaries there where they, you can get mer- medical marijuana in the states where it's not. Because what I believe that they're counting as legal as the, the states that have medical as well as recreational law. And if we are going to count all of them, then we need to really start thinking about the federal level and the federal government saying we have to take it off this list. Well, I, I hope this guy, you know, I mean, uh, I hope he at some point is able to recoup, you know, the losses. He's playing baseball. He he's doing great. Hey, he's, he's doing great. He's about to get paid. You know, he ain't making the money like he- Ain't making that big dime money no more. Well, maybe, well, may, well, maybe he'll get some reparations at some point, Rico, and get like back pay for oh, you know what I'm saying. Oh, Jason. <laughs> uh, maybe he'll, maybe he'll, maybe he'll, maybe he'll invest in the marijuana industry. Maybe he'll use this as a way to educate more um, uh, potential business owners, and 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 maybe he'll be able to use this to you know to get money. God doesn't make mistakes. This happened for a reason, so you know something uh, yeah. will come from it. Yeah, I, I, think I, I, I love the Ingrid Fay. Yeah, she said mm-hmm. it in the audience that uh, um, uh, Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa they brought baseball back with steroids. 
Remember that. That's true. <laughs> they brought it. That's back. true. Really, really, really. And Jose Canseco is uh, is whiter than Mark McGuire. Barry Bonds, you know. <laughs> just saying. Oh just saying. boy! Oh boy! I see what you but did. Thank there. you all oh, for man. joining us for another episode of High Nine News. You can catch us live weekdays, nine a.m. Pacific, and high noon on the East Coast. Big shout out to our super fans showing love, getting their comments live on the big screen and live audience, and uh, online supporters catching us across all media platforms. Tuning in for the conversations of chaos daily with us. Our vetted correspondents tuning in from all over, bringing as much needed a variety of your perspective and your respected opinions to the table too. To our production team, Cloud Media Partners, House of Fuego, and all our sponsors keeping the lights on and the AV struggles to a minimum. And of course, the lovely Zsa Simone holding us down everywhere else but here. Always, Cannabis TVL, the reason the Hyatt 9 News team reads these headlines every day. Thank you. It has been Thursday. What is it? Oh, this is a, uh, August 17th, 2023. The show's over. You've all been blessed with the top industry headlines. I'm Rico Lumit, the dopest dad on the street. Hope it was enough for you to put in your pipe and smoke at least until tomorrow. Stone Slade, Mr. 820. <laughs> what you got for us today, man? Hey, I was that. just going to remind everybody, this weekend is 820. Be sure to drop Jason Beck a line while you're out there celebrating Sunday. Jason, you expect, expect to hear from the crowds. Happy 820, everybody. Yeah, everybody send me a Bottles message up. if you're going to celebrate 820. Send me <laughs> send me a picture of what you're sipping send on. Two cans. Yeah, send me a picture of what you're sipping on. Go for it.